Hello and welcome to the Speaking For Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gamison, and I am, as always, excited and blessed and privileged to be your host as we continue on this journey of the Christian life together. I hope that as you listen today, you will find something that encourages you and that you will go forward with a greater resolve to follow the best of masters, Jesus Christ. Today, I will be reviewing for you the movie Sound of Freedom. Uh, This was a very moving film, which I had the privilege of seeing uh, yesterday on Independence Day, and I really appreciated its message. I can't really call it an enjoyable film, necessarily, and you will see why as I dig into my review But before I jump into that, I wanted to share with you a little bit regarding Independence Day. Yesterday was the 247th birthday of our great nation. It's hard to believe that we're only three years away from 250. And I always enjoy when we get to Independence Day listening to the Declaration of Independence. Several years ago, I actually read it with some friends on my podcast, and every year, the National Archives has a live reading of it with people in costume, and I'm going to play a couple clips from yesterday's celebration, because every time I hear this declaration, it's a moving reminder to me of what we have and how we must continue the fight Liberty. In Congress, July 4th, 17 and 76, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. 
and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate the governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Okay, so we see in this first part of the Declaration of Independence that the motivation of our founding fathers was freedom and liberty. And they were guided by the self-evident principles that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were something that every individual had a right to, and that they were endowed by their creator with these rights. They talked about how government should not lord it over people, but that the people should have the power to establish a new government if a government becomes tyrannical. And I just want to take a moment here to remind you that there were several grievances that the colonials had against King George. And if you listen to the declaration, you can hear all of them. I don't remember the exact number, but there are several. And so we must not be lulled into this false understanding of uh, history that says that it was all about taxes. That's the first thing I want to say. Also, even the tax issue was related to not having representation. The fact of the matter is that when we issue new taxes in the United States today, we do so through a judicial process. So that is a difference from what the colonials were facing. Because the colonials were facing being independent colonies for several years, but having King George make all their decisions. And so their ultimate decision was, we want to declare independence from King George in England. Okay, now I'm going to play a clip from the last part, which I think is one of the most important statements ever made in United States history. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America... In general, Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. Do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these United Colonies are and of right are to be free and independent states. 
that they are absolved of all allegiance to the British Crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. Yeah. And that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance in the protection of divine providence, we, we mutually, mutually pledge to each other our lives, our, our fortunes, and, and our, our sacred honor. Just a couple of quick observations on this last part of the Declaration of Independence. First of all, I thought it's significant the statement that is made that these colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. I actually don't think that our government, by and large, understands this today. In the early days of our country, the United States was referred to as these United States of America, and a premium was put on states' rights. As we've discussed on my podcast before, the Tenth Amendment provides a provision which says that any issue not explicitly dealt with in the Constitution should be delegated to the states. Over the several years of our existence as the United States of America, the federal government has grown bigger and bigger and has become bloated beyond a reasonable size. I believe it is important for each state to be able to make individual decisions for its citizens, and the more local government can be making decisions, the better for the people involved. I will also say that that line, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor for the truths contained in this document is very convicting to me. I get emotional every time I hear it. And I don't feel like today's youth understand what their forefathers went through so they could have the freedom to believe what they want and say what they will. No other country has a free speech policy anywhere close to the United States of America. And preserving it is a key to our freedom, which means even people who we do not like should have the freedom of speech. That being said, freedom of speech was also predicated on personal responsibility and the idea that we know what decent speech is and we know what is appropriate to talk about in public and how to conduct ourselves. And that is something that I believe we have also lost as this nation of America. As I've said many times before, I do believe, as the Bible says, that things are waxing worse and worse. But I also believe that we as Christians, and shall I say patriots, 
should do our best not to be contributors to that problem, but rather to shine brightly as a light in the darkness. I had the privilege on Independence Day to see a wonderful film called Sound of Freedom. This film starred Jim Caviezel as Tim Ballard, Mira Servino as Catherine Ballard, Bill Camp as Vampiro, and Kurt Fuller as Frost, among others. I thought this film was very well acted, and I will get into some more details about it as soon as I play for you the trailer for the film Sound of Freedom. I don't think I can do this job, Tim. As soon as I lay down, all you see are those kids' faces. How long have you been doing this? Twelve years. How do you do it? It is the fastest growing international crime network that the world has ever seen. It has already passed the illegal arms trade, and soon it's going to pass the drug trade. Imagine walking into a room right now, seeing an empty bed. Oh, we tell. We're Homeland Security. You know we can't go off rescuing kids in Colombia. This job tears you to pieces. This is my one chance to put those pieces back together. We're talking about extracting an 11-year-old girl from an army of rebels. Not just her. I'm talking about rescuing hundreds of kids. She could be a block down the road, or she could be in Moscow, Bangkok, L.A. Two million children a year are being sucked into the deepest recesses of hell. If we do nothing, someday it's going to reach the likes of you. What if this was your daughter? If you would like to help us expose the horrible reality of human trafficking by bringing this true powerful story to the big screen, express interest now at angel.com slash freedom. Well, I'm grateful to report that this film is in theaters and there are plenty of showings locally where I am in West Michigan. So if you have the opportunity, go and see this film. It's a powerful film. I don't usually give the ratings on the top, but I will tell you, that I gave this five out of five stars. Very well acted, very well done, very powerful in message, and 
Jim Caviezel has a special message at the end talking about the importance of its real-life implications. So I'm going to give you, first of all, the quote of the day as we dig into this review. Our quote of the day comes from Tim Baylor, the main character, and he says, God's children are no longer for sale. This film digs into the very serious issue of child trafficking and also talks about sex trafficking in general. And this tells the story of Tim Ballard, who was a government agent. I believe it was for Homeland Security. That's how it was depicted in the movie. And after several years of doing that, he went out on his own and formed an organization to rescue people, specifically children, from human trafficking. And in this film, you see him going to rescue children from the sex trade, and specifically two children, a brother and a sister, who were conned into the sex trade by being told they could be children fashion models, and so he goes to rescue them. Now, I don't know if these specific children are true life characters or if they are composites. But what I do know is that this represents many of the missions that Tim has been on. My general thoughts about the film is it's hard to say that you've enjoyed a film of this nature because it is so serious in its content. But if it is possible to enjoy this film than I did. It was a very well-told story, and it tugged at the heartstrings as it should. The point was made as the credits rolled that there are more people in slavery now in the world than there ever have been, even though it's not the slavery that we talk about, and that the United States is heavily involved in sex trafficking and child trafficking, which is a sad reality. So this film, as I said, follows Tim Ballard on his journeys to rescue these children. We, we see a brother and a sister um, who are victimized. And I just have to say that the acting of these two little actors was amazing. I'm not sure how you teach them to act this kind of role uh, without at least somewhat traumatizing them, but they did an excellent job of portraying their role. Uh, we see Jim Caviezel as Tim Ballard, and actually an interesting factoid is that Tim Ballard specifically asked for Jim to play him, and it was mentioned in the little blurb that I read about that request that it was even though they didn't look alike. Although I do think there's enough of a resemblance for the part to be played by Jim. And Jim brings a sensitivity and an awesomeness to this role that I don't think anybody else could have. He actually says that this is the most significant movie that he has ever made, and that includes The Passion of the Christ. He was profoundly moved by uh, 
this film. He said that he actually screened it for Mel Gibson, and Mel Gibson was affected much the same way. He mentioned another director that he works often with that he doesn't mention by name who is also affected. His hope is that this film could be the Uncle Tom's Cabin of our generation. Uh, If you're not familiar with Uncle Tom's Cabin, it was written by Harriet Beecher Stowe about the slave trade. And when she wrote it, she got an audience with Lincoln, and he said of her, oh, you're the little woman that started this war, referring to the Civil War. Now, of course, we know that there were more issues at stake than just slavery, but slavery became a predominant and primary issue of the Civil War. And as the war ended, so did slavery. And this is a very serious issue. The Bible says that if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So if you do good to them, you've done good to the Lord. If you do bad to them, you've done bad. The Bible says it's better for a millstone to be wrapped around your neck than that you would offend one of these little ones. So we see the journey that takes place as he gets some insight from an offender, from a prisoner, to figure out how to best go about finding these two children. And he first finds the little boy. And he sees the perpetrator that took him arrested. He knows that the boy has been abused. He takes care of the boy. And the boy asks him, please rescue my sister. Well, Homeland Security, at least according to this movie, was on board for the first rescue. But the second one, they said, we can't be involved. And he said, well, then I'm going to have to quit my job and go on my own. And he had backup from local police in Colombia, but he no longer had the backing of Homeland Security. As far as I know, he still does these missions, and he actually took... Jim Caviezel on a few of them as he prepared for the role. So he really wanted to get this right. Another interesting thing about this movie is that it was made five years ago, but it just released this past weekend because so many people were afraid of this kind of serious content. But that means that it had to be made. And we need to be concerned about these things. The liberals always claim that we as Christians are not fully pro-life because we don't care about children after they are born. And of course, I always contradict that and come back with, yes, we do. While caring about this issue of sex trafficking especially among children, is one of the best ways to show that we care about all human life. So the positive things that I see in this film are that Tim Ballard is obviously a family man. He has, I think, seven kids, if I counted correctly, and he has a supportive wife. When he told his wife that he was quitting his job so that he could go after uh, 
this little girl and rescue her, she was 100% on board. And the real Tim Ballard says, there's no way I could do this job. No way I could start my organization fighting sex trafficking without my wonderful wife being on my side. And so I really liked the way their marriage was portrayed. I kept wondering if she was going to say, you know, you really just need to come back to the States, especially now that you're not under the authority of the U.S. government, but she didn't. She supported him, and she even said, as he was working his way to this girl and trying to find her, and on this journey, she said, I feel like she's my daughter too. So I really liked this. I don't really have anything negative to say about this film, but I will say that there are some tricky things that come about when you're trying to depict this level of depravity. So it was hard to watch. Um, It's not a children's movie by any stretch. It's PG-13. But that being said, it was tastefully done, and there was nothing overtly explicit or graphic about the film. Um, If I was going to say one negative thing about the movie-making process, uh, there's a couple times when the film is pretty slow, and my brother and I both agreed that there were some things that we wish they talked more about in the film, like his relationship with his family, how he actually decided to uh, form the organization that he had formed, and... Like I said, I'm not sure if this was an actual story or just a composite that was realistic and gave a slight depiction of the the work that he did. So we don't know all the details about his process, but you can definitely see the emotions that he's going through. One of the things he says is that this work of trying to rescue children, or at least put away the offenders. Because in the beginning of the movie, he's putting away a lot of um, sex offenders, and he really hasn't had the opportunity to directly rescue children. And then he gets that opportunity later in the film. But one of the things he said is every case that he works on, it breaks him into pieces. And by pursuing this case and trying to get this family back together, he feels like he will be able to put the pieces back together. So that that was a very significant thing. What do I think uh, is the biggest lesson from this film? Well, I think that one of the biggest lessons that I take away from this film is that we need to be aware of what's going on around us. It can be easy to put our head in the sand and to think that just because we live in America that everything is hunky-dory and that there's nothing wrong and no one needs our help. But the reality is that there are people that need our help around the United States and around the world, and we need to be aware of that. We need to spread the message of this film. Another thing I would mention is that you can go on Angel Studios Dot com and get information on paying it forward for this film, much like I have mentioned with The Chosen, you can go on their website and pay extra money so that someone could be able to see 
this film free of charge. And I think that is an amazing opportunity. I think there are lessons here about protecting your family. Um, you know, this, this podcast is all about family values and making sure that the blueprint of the family is followed. And one of the biggest things that a family is called to do is to protect its children. And so this story is a cautionary tale for all of us to protect our children and to make sure that we are aware of what is going on in their lives and what people are trying to convince them of. Because the way that this takes place is that this lady hears the daughter singing in a public place and she convinces this daughter that she can make her a star. Then she decides to take the son as well and convinces the father to bring them both in. When he brings them for the quote-unquote audition, she says, come back at 7.30. When he comes back at 7.30, the room is empty, the children are gone, and the kidnapping has commenced. So we just need to be aware of those things. First of all, be aware of serious issues going on around us, Pray and ask God to intervene and then seek how you can help others. And one big way you can do that is by sharing this film and making sure that everyone knows how real and true this issue of sex trafficking is even in the United States. I've already mentioned this, but I would rank this film five out of five stars. I thought it was really well acted. I thought it was really well shot. Um, like I said, there were a couple slow parts, but for the most part, it was extremely well done. And I applaud the filmmakers for the sensitive way that they handled this serious subject. So five out of five stars. I want to encourage you to get out to the theaters and see this film. Um, I'm sure since there is a way to pay it forward, there must also be a way to get those free tickets if you don't feel like you can afford it. Uh, but I would encourage you to get out and watch this film. I really hope that this film stays in theaters for quite a while. I think in his ending message, Jim Caviezel was hoping that it would stay in theaters for two months and reach as many people as possible. And it, it took a while to be made. It took five years before they could get it made and get it distributed to theaters. It was actually filmed five years ago, and then it took that five years to convince theaters that it was worthy of showing, and not only worthy of showing, but necessary to show it. So... I really hope that you will take this to heart. If you watch the film, please feel free to reach out to me with the contact information that's about to roll at the end of the show and give me your feedback. I would love to hear it. And with your permission, I might even share it on a future episode. We need to keep the message flowing about these very important issues. And one of the greatest ways we do that is through the power of film. Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So we must do our best 
to stand up for and protect those who are of the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's about all I have time to share with you this week, but I will just encourage you to have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.